Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. Finding the right health insurance package is important, but with the wide range of plans available on the Irish market, it can be a daunting task when you don't know where to start. That's why I've teamed up with HCC, supported by Irish Life Health. HCC.ie compares multiple insurers to help you choose a health insurance plan that's right for you and your pocket. They can help you find a plan that delivers all-round mental health support with professionally trained counsellors to listen and give you considered and practical advice. And to get a free health insurance review, simply go to hcc.ie. In December, I travelled to Cork and I spoke to the incredible Desi Fitzgerald. Don't be afraid of that dark place. I, a lot of the time we can be, we can fear going anywhere near it. Like those feelings of darkness and feeling so low. We can try and go away from it rather than actually going into it, which is a perfectly normal response. Having to go into it can be quite painful. But if you feel low or if you feel down or if you feel like you're in a dark place, Actually, allow yourself to go in there and kind of speak from there, if you can at all, to somebody in your life and to open it up because, as I said a while back, like underneath that, that darkness, there's any light waiting to shine through. Desi is married to Sarah and they have two sons, MJ and Jack, and they live in Charleville in North County Cork. But his world was turned upside down on the 8th of August 2011 and he continued to face unimaginable difficulty over the 14 months that followed. This conversation is a masterclass in vulnerability, acceptance and in letting go. I was in awe of him, which you'll probably pick up on as you listen, and I have a feeling you're going to be too. I started by asking him about his upbringing. 
I'm the eldest of four boys. My um, my lucky mum, she got to live with five men, so she did. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, great upbringing um, by my parents. Uh, they were always so kind and caring towards us. And yeah, look, with my three brothers, we've always had a very close relationship as well. Um, I think sport played a major part in our lives, all of us, all the way up along, um, which was great. We all had similar interests. And so we had plenty of banter at home with one another and having that sporting passion as well, I think, was uh, it was great. Like real. Um, and we had so many family events to go to as a result of yeah. that. And my mum, while she wasn't into it at the beginning, she... She she got into it fairly. Uh, she had no choice. As as she had no choice, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you all play hurling? We did. All of us played hurling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you performed at a, a pretty significant level as well. Uh, yeah, um, started off playing with Charleville at the age of eight, and then was lucky enough to to represent Cork all the way up along at underage, mm. and got to play with Cork Intermediates for a couple of years, and and won a, won two All Ireland medals with them, which was uh, brilliant. Great, yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Absolutely loved it. You know, happy happy memories for sure. So back in two thousand and eleven, um, life was going along well. You were twenty eight at this stage of your life, and yeah. you were happy in a relationship with Sarah who's now your wife Yeah, and things were just tipping along nicely For sure um, like everything was going according to the plan really I uh, myself and Sarah we um, we met when I was 21 we mm. um, we ended up going travelling to Australia travelled the world for a year and we came back I, I went back to college when I got, got back and got a degree in electrical power systems and got a good job afterwards in Cork Sarah had a good job in the city as well and yeah, everything was going well good social life enjoying sport loving the relationship um, yeah great family great family times but then uh, everything just took a U-turn uh, everything absolutely changed on the 8th of August 2011 um, I uh, look for, for me I was on that day I remember it so well I was so excited about going home seeing my parents and my brothers they were all off at my first cousin's wedding over in America I didn't go because I was saving up for my own wedding um, with Sarah So were you engaged at this stage? We were engaged Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we were engaged at this stage and um, and yeah I remember finishing work early getting back to see them and I was going home in the car and I as I said, was excited. But I remember spe- seeing my brother's van part of the farm entrance in um, in Charleville. And I just thought nothing of it when I saw it because my dad was renting the farm at the time. So it wasn't unusual? No, it wasn't. I thought okay. he was doing a job for him there after getting back. And I rang his phone and just have a chat with him said, t- to tell him I'll see him at home and looking yeah. forward to going training with him. And he, n- he never answered. And so I rang it again. So he never answered. Then I got... I got back home and my parents weren't there. They were just dropping something off to um, off to a friend's house. And so I rang Mike's phone again and no answer. And then I rang my mum and I said, is he doing a job up there for, for dad? And she was like, no. I was like, OK, I'll give a drive up and just check that he's OK. And so I parked the car in a shop. I remember going in the passageway and I was kind of getting this eerie feeling walking in for some reason and, and I just started to call out his name. And... Kept calling out his name and there was no answer when I did. But walked into um, a farm shed and I, I just saw my brother had just taken his own life. Mike and he was uh, like Mike was twenty three. Uh, when I saw it initially, I, I just literally ran out of the shed in disbelief because 
I suppose he'd never, <laughs> I'd never seen him struggling in any way with any mental health issues. Yeah. Um, never, you know, never spoke about anxiety or, or anything along those lines. And so when, when I saw it, I just was in complete disbelief, ran out of the shed and thought to myself, I have to be seeing things. But I ran back in again and I looked up and just saw that it was him um, there. And so, like, it was just mind-boggling, obviously, seeing Yeah, him. well, like, what's, what was going through your mind? Um, I I came out, I actually thought I was going to get sick. Okay. And then I... Um, I I was just, I think it was just it was in a complete state of shock. I remember just my heart was pounding, like absolutely pounding. And I when I saw him, I didn't know if it was his. Um, I was I kind of blocked out his face when I when I did see him. Um, but when I ran back in, I just was like, I have to make sure it is him. And in that moment, I was just like, okay, I have to see if he's alive now. And so somehow I managed to get up onto this beam and um and and take him down and yeah it was just from that moment it was just absolute shock just the next while it was just it's a bit of a blur just going from one thing to the next i remember ringing my parents first and then um from there it was just like it took over just the next few days ended up being a funeral and it was just we didn't know any of us didn't know what to do how to process it we all, I remember meeting mum and dad afterwards and, and Connor and James in the house and we just, like, we remember being in the kitchen just hugging one another, mm. all in disbelief um, with what had happened. How do you, I mean, how do you even find the words to say it to your folks? It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a natural thing to no. happen. It's, it's not the way it's meant to be. I, I didn't know who to ring yeah. when, I saw it in, um, when I saw him initially and I was like, what am I going to do? I obviously can't do anything with this on my own. Yeah. And so then I just said, look, I have to ring them. They're going to, you know, so I did. And I think I was so, I was in such a state of shock when I saw it and when I rang them, it just came out of my mouth straight away. I was like, mum and dad, he's like, you have to come up here. I just said it straight. I was like, Mike is after taking his own life. Um, and so they came up straight away and they, um, yeah, look, I, I can't say what was going on for them, but again, they were just in disbelief, just broke down yeah. straight away. Nightmare. A nightmare, absolute nightmare. Absolute yeah. nightmare. So, um, the days after that, the funeral, mm. they're trying to come to terms with it. I mean, did you come to terms with it? Can you ever? Did no, I, I, I don't know if... Um, right now, I'm at a place of acceptance okay. with it all. Of course, I, w- I wish it didn't happen. But back then... Um, no, I just I was fighting with it. I couldn't process it, um, yeah. so so I couldn't. I remember afterwards, after the funeral and everything, like he was well liked. He had a great group of friends, absolutely amazing group of friends. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I remember after the funeral, um, we said we would walk into town because I knew all of his friends were going to be over. So I was just going to walk in to say hello to them inside and. Um, inside in a bar that they would, uh, would have always went into like they were all 23 at the time Yeah, I remember walking in the door and um, seeing them um, they were trying to remember him and celebrate his life by, by having a few drinks and stuff but I looked around and I just oh, I just had to get out of there straight away I was just like I am in no fit state to be around anybody to process 
what had just happened. Um, so I just went straight home and pretty much stayed at home. But I remember being with Connor and James and, and mum and dad and we pretty much stuck to ourselves. You know, mm. there was people calling all the time, but um, just stuck to ourselves, tried to process process it, but couldn't. Um, mm. Not in that short, such a short space of time in a way, for sure. No. And it's just the shock of it and the fact that you didn't, there were no signs. Mm. Did you ever get any answers as in, as to why? Absolutely none. That's something that we're never going to find out. We're going to okay. bring with us until we pass on ourselves. No, never any answers. Um, you know, asked all of his friends, was he struggling in any way um, with anything or anyone? Or did he have any financial troubles? And there was nothing, like absolutely nothing. Um, which, yeah. Look, which I don't know if it makes it any easier or harder. I don't, I don't know. Like if there was answers... Would it be any easier? Okay. You know, I, I doubt it. Like, regardless, yeah, cause he's, he's gone. He's, he's gone. Yeah, he's, he's gone. not here with us anymore. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to live. You're trying to carry on with your life. Mm. But normal is not normal anymore. Life's changed forever. And only two months after that, you're, you're back on the pitch and you're playing a game of hurling. Yeah. And an important game at that. So what was this one? Um, this was a county semi-final yeah. um, with Charleville and yeah it was a big one um, I suppose sport has always played such a major part in my life and Mike's as well uh, and Connor and James too I remember on the lead up to the game like really wanting to win this one for him he just passed mm. and um, I remember looking into the graveyard on the way to the game just like saying we're going to do this one for you and um, and so yeah um the game started like any other normal game and it was going well for us but about 25 minutes into the game I saw one of the opposing players he was just going to strike for goal and so I sprinted back as quickly as I could to flick the ball away from him and I dived in for a tackle Um, I went behind him but there was another player coming out towards me as well and I ended up getting sandwiched between the two players and I got knees into the chest and my head just sprung back and forth and um, I fell to the floor and I was in a daze for a couple of seconds. But after after that, I after a minute or so, I realised that I couldn't feel or move anything from below my shoulders down. I was trying to get up and I was like, what, what is going on here? I, I can't move. And so, obviously, again, I was, my head was... I remember facing sideways and I was just in disbelief just thinking to myself there's no way it's like I cannot be paralysed here and after after a minute or so I was surrounded by, by people and luckily for me there was two nurses there um, mm. at, um, on the sideline and they ran over and just pushed everyone away because I think they saw pretty quickly that um, it was serious that it was serious yeah yeah. so they said not to move you yeah, they just said stay away. And I remember them carrying out various tests on my feet. Um, it was Denise and Beatrice. I'm never so grateful to them. Mm. But they were just carrying out various tests. And I could kind of see a little bit of worry in their their face. Um, and so, yeah, they pushed everyone away and an, an ambulance was called straight away. Because had they not been there, more than likely, you know, your instinct is, is to move someone yeah. and try and help them. And I wanted for people to, I was like, yeah. you know, oh, just get me over to the sidelines or I can recover. I didn't, 
but that no would realized. have obviously been the wrong thing to do. Oh, totally. But had you been moved? Oh, it would have been a different story completely. Yeah. I would be paralyzed from the shoulders down most likely for the rest of my days. Yeah. Wow, Desi. Um, right, so the ambulance arrives. Mm. And, and you're so brought to the hospital. Yeah, they're brought to the hospital. Um, CUH first in Cork, then transferred straight from there to the Matter Hospital in Dublin. And um, after a while being there, I was told that um, I had fractured C4, which is a bone in my neck, and that it also damaged my spinal cord. Okay. Um, for me, my only saving grace was that my injury was an incomplete injury, which meant that there was there was a chance, like my spinal cord injury hadn't my spinal cord hadn't completely severed. There was um, a gap at either side of mine, so there was a bleed right in the centre, but there was a gap at either side, and so there was some hope that some signals might make their way around to bleed and through that gap, and I may make some sort of recovery. They didn't know what if yeah. I would. Um, if I'd walk again or not but they said there was, at least there was a glimmer of hope for me And what was, was going through your own mind at the time? At that time I I grasped on to that glimmer of hope because when I was lying there waiting for the result yeah. I was thinking to myself what if he says that that is it for me now like what if what if they come in and tell me I'll never move again like I was just playing through my life and what it would look like on the bed like that it was um, extremely hard to process so when he gave me any glimmer of hope he said those words I latched onto it straight away yeah uh, and is that a sign of the type of person you are like are you a glass half full are you are you naturally more inclined to be optimistic when it comes mm. to challenge yeah I, um, I think it's fair to say that I would be for sure yeah. um, I think I would have always had that mindset and I think sport would have helped me out in that regard as well okay um, yeah, yeah I think having that that mentality, it certainly helped me in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So there was hope. Mm. Um, but you're still coming to terms, emotionally coming to terms with the loss of your brother in such a short time. And now you have this, you know, a dramatic physical injury mm. that you don't know what the future holds. At this point, while there is hope, you just don't know what the, the, the road is going to be like ahead. Yeah. But it's not going to be easy. Yeah. How long were you in hospital at that stage? Um, I spent five weeks in the matter and then I was transferred over to the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Dunleary and spent the bones of uh, about nine, ten months inside there. Okay. Um, and so it was, oh look, it was, <laughs> it, it was so like strange to begin with trying to get in my head around what had just happened. So again, for the first two weeks, I was probably in, lying in that bed in a state of shock. I was just strapped to the bed, um, looking up at this fluorescent light and I remember counting the bubbles on it <laughs> so often just to pass away the time. Um, but again, just like finding it extremely hard to process and, and to come to terms also with like everyone doing everything for me, like being lifted out of the bed, being washed, yeah. um, being brought to the bathroom, people having to brush my teeth. I remember, I'll never forget, an earphone coming out of my ear and the most natural response to that is to go and pick it up and put it back in your ear, right? But I remember having to ask Sarah or one of my family or a nurse to come over and put that earphone back in and it would fall out again after a few minutes and the same thing. You're like, it was just things I'd taken for granted every day. Yeah. Like, just complete and utter life change. 
going from being independent to depending on everybody else around me. And that continued on for, you know, for the bones of a year whilst I was in hospital, for sure. And for anyone listening who, you know, it's it's very hard to imagine unless you've been in your situation, let's be honest. Yeah. I don't think anyone can relate to it unless they themselves have have lived through that mm. to know what that's like. Because as you said, I think we do take simple things for granted yeah. that we can do. We don't think about it. We don't think about it, and and, and neither had I before all of, yeah. all of this had happened. We don't we, we don't think about it because we don't we don't need to think about it. Um, and so, but yeah, when it's when it's right in front of you, I mean, it's just a complete change. And obviously, you have to think about it, and you have to do your level best to get on with it. Um, and but that would test the most patient of people. Yeah, anyone who is naturally quite laid back and kind of go with the flow about things would find that really, really tough. But then coupled with the fact that emotionally you were still coming to terms with the loss of your brother. Had you had any counselling around that time, any help? No, it was was so quick. It was two months after it. so quick. um, That even then I wasn't processing what had happened to Mike because after Mike passed, I, I immersed myself in busyness afterwards. Like when he passed, I remember I went back to work two weeks after he passed and I was working long hours there. Then I'd finish work, I'd go hurling training. Then I, if I didn't go hurling training, I went to the gym. If I didn't go to the gym, I would organise to meet somebody. And so by the end of the day, I would be so exhausted. I'd fall asleep and I'd get back up and do the same thing the following day. And that that was how I led into that game um, okay. for the two months beforehand. And so I was trying not to process what had happened to Mike. Were you deliberately distracting yourself, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, without, okay. a, without a doubt yeah. uh, wasn't used to feeling feelings mm. at that point in my life and and in hospital um, I mean the same like it was extremely busy when we were inside there um, like in the National Rehabilitation Hospital it was a case of you're walking at six in the morning you're constantly going until six o'clock that evening with all sorts of various therapies and so I was exhausted I was getting glimmers you know short moments of of thinking about Mike and having to process him but even then I was blocking it out because I I couldn't even deal with what was happening to me right now and I, I and I certainly couldn't start thinking about Mike and start dealing with the loss of him him in my life it would have been way too much for me to be able to for my mind to be able to handle at that time Sure Yeah And Sarah was by your side through this and obviously you're still engaged you yeah. have a wedding that you're planning for, but she's she's taking over the reins there. When you're, but you're not, you're not halting the wedding. You're not, you're not delaying it. You're not stopping it. You're still going ahead. Yeah, I don't know how, <laughs> but it's um, great. Yeah, I mean, firstly, that woman, she, well, she's just amazing. Like the fact she stuck with me. Like not once did she you know think of well I don't know if she thought about it she said she didn't and I I truly believe her because of the type of person she is but she stuck by my side the whole way along and this like we didn't know how this was going to play out for me and like her life could have been impacted very much so like if I was in a wheelchair if I was going to be relying on her to do things for me in terms of us having kids anything along those lines like that was all up in the air for us and so to me, I was thinking to myself, you shouldn't stay with me. Like, Did that I'm, go through your mind? Yeah. Oh, it did. That went through my mind a whole lot. Okay. So I did like, don't stay with me. Like, I, I'm, 
I'm I'm going to bring you down if you if you do stay with me. Like there's going to be too much, um, too many obstacles and too many challenges in firstly in my life. But this has happened to me. I have no choice but to get on with this. But for you, you have a choice. I mean, you can you can leave. Um, you can you know you you can move on. You don't have to have this hindrance, which I was considering myself. Like I genuinely consider myself as a hindrance um, to me and being out there in the world and to Sarah certainly as well but she she loves you and loved you yeah. very much so she wasn't going to go yeah. anywhere yeah yeah. and so. I suppose isn't that what it's meant to be about like you know in sickness and in health yeah so you but know you're certainly living up to what a wedding and marriage is meant to be which is that she was she wasn't going anywhere yeah. Um. so how long away was the wedding at this point from 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 that uh, day on the pitch, when was your wedding? So that was, um, I had the accident in October and the wedding was the following March. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was close. It was close. Extremely close. Yeah. So there wasn't any sense of let's ring the venue and delay the date just a bit. We, so- we spoke about it so much and um, and <laughs> we spoke to doctors in the National Rehabilitation Hospital, my physiotherapist, occupation. <laughs> Occupational therapists and um, they were like, "Go ahead with it if, if you know if you feel up to it." I mean, they gave me the green light, and <laughs> I mean, at the time, I think it was a focus for us. Again, it was some sort of a, yes, a distraction goal. away from yeah, it was a goal for sure, and also a distraction away from what was happening for us. And like for me in rehab, a huge part of it was me it was like, "Okay, if the wedding is going ahead in this day, if I what if I could push myself." enough to be able to maybe even stand up get out of the wheelchair for a short period and so for me it was a goal and this sporting background I had it was like okay this is great it's like something yeah. to um, work towards something to work towards and go for and at that point was that a realistic you know wish desire to have to be able to stand on your wedding day what were you being told in the hospital Um, I mean they were never going to say whether I was going to or not. They couldn't. I mean, sure. a spinal cord injury is different for everyone, especially some with an incomplete injury. You've no idea what way it's going to, way it's going to play itself out. What kind of movement did you have in the beginning? At the beginning, I remember after the first, after a couple of weeks, my big toe wiggled and my left foot. Oh, straight away, I was like, tears just started to come down my face when that happened. And then mm. from there, it like so slowly travelled up my left leg. So I was wiggling my left leg. And it travelled over to my right, um, and it slowly started travelling upwards from there. And so, when I got to Dunleary, I was still being lifted everywhere, pushing the wheelchair everywhere. But after a couple of months being inside there, I managed to um, stand up. Like I was being helped, but I managed to stand up and hold on to these barriers. And it it just started from there. And the lead up to the wedding, I mean, just before the wedding, I was just standing. Um, so I was. Wow. And taking, but, that's, but that's, that was massive. That was huge. From oh, where you came from. Absolutely. Huge. Like amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Oh. Yeah. And couldn't believe it. And it, yeah, it went, it went on from there. And so that was huge for me at the wedding day because yeah. I ended up, I went in in a wheelchair. Okay. And I came down, like I walked down the aisle with Sarah. Oh, wow. <laughs> there was about, 
Sarah was holding me up by the crutch and the other hand, my two brothers, Connor and James, were behind me, ready to catch me if I fell. And it took us about an hour to get down the aisle, but we managed to come Doesn't down. Matter. Like, regardless, it, yeah. was, it was powerful. Wow, I bet that was... I bet the atmosphere in the church was something else. What yeah. was... I suppose the the, the, the sense of... of uh, of pride and, and and joy that I would imagine everybody felt for you. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you could, you could see, see it, it, feel it. You could see it, feel it. So, James and Connor with your folks were there with you, mm. as were um, Sarah's family and your friends, and and it was a it was a good day. It was a good day. It yeah. was probably uh, yeah. I'm going to say um, you know the best day since everything that had happened in a way for sure. Sure. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So it was a good day. Being surrounded by family, friends. And yeah, yeah, great day. And you even went on a honeymoon? We did. <laughs> we um, we said we would do our best to leave Ireland. And so we we went over to England. Sarah was driving a, a 99 Toyota Yaris at the time. And uh, <laughs> we packed it up with uh, the amount of medical gear we had to put into it. It was absolutely insane. Um yeah. We packed it up and off we went to the Cotswold for, um, for, I think we went for, I don't know, it was 10 days, two oh, weeks. Oh, gorgeous. Um, it is a beautiful part of England. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. I would was it, what, like, what were your doctors telling you at this point? They were saying to be very careful and mind okay. myself. Like, Sarah, but they were okay with you going? Oh, they gave me, the, once again, they were. They gave me the green light. Okay, good. Sarah, <laughs> she ended up having to give me injections in the morning and... Um, uh, look, yeah, she she pretty much had to be my wife and carer for that trip. But we like we said it would be a memory um, yeah. that we would have forevermore. And so we, yeah, we went for it, got on the ferry. Good on you. And um, yeah, we had, we had a good, it was different. We were trying to adjust to it, obviously. It was my, like I just left hospital just beforehand. And so this is pretty much my first, our first time being around one another out in public, in society. Like, and it's, Different in every regard, every regard, but um, yeah. Look, we we managed to we managed it. We got on with it, and we had good times for sure. Yeah. So I suppose, despite the challenges, the obvious challenges of it, it must have been empowering for both of you as well yeah. to be away and and be able to do it yourselves. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. So um, after the wedding, though, I suppose between the accident. And having the wedding date and not changing it and having that goal, there can be even regardless of accidents, there can be an anticlimax after big events mm. and a come down. Yeah, and I think that happened to you as well. It did, um, for sure. I when we got back from the honeymoon, I had to go back to hospital again, and so I was in Dunleary again for um, for a few months and. Yeah, there was a come down after the wedding for sure. And I remember being in hospital and getting kidney infections a lot because of, you know, with a spinal cord injury, literally everything, your whole body pretty much shuts down. And so everything gets affected. And so I was on a lot of medication and stuff as well um, because of what was going on um, because of the injury. And um, so, yeah, come down, go back into the hospital a second time. And then I left hospital after a few months to go home and... I really struggled when I got back um, from from hospital because I was getting back into the world again in my view as a diff- completely different person like I was so I was Desi Fitzgerald before the man who used to play hurling the man who could go out and socialise the man who could do pretty much whatever I wanted in life now I was getting out of hospital and I was 
completely different. Like I was still relying on people to do a lot of things for me. I was still in the wheelchair the most of the time um, at that period. And so adjusting to life with a spinal cord injury, like with a disability, I found extremely, extremely challenging. Um, yeah. And I did. I, I, I became quite depressed um, after coming home from hospital. So I did. I, I never admitted that, but I, but I was. And, and everyone around me could see it in me. And I, th- and I think it, it's a natural response yeah, to, you know, your life changing so much. But I was in... Um, and you were deep in grief, still. Deep in grief. Like, Mike started to, you know, come into my mind a lot when I had yeah. time in my hands, when I wasn't so busy with um, physiotherapy, etc. And so trying to process what had happened to him, like, <sighs> everything started to sink in. Mm. So it did. Um, which, yeah, life became very, very struggling um, and hard for me during that time. And um, And I remember... I remember we, myself and Sarah, we, we rented an apartment when I left hospital and um, mm. Sarah organised a surprise um, 30th birthday party for me. And mm. um, she did it just to try and, you know, lift my spirits and get me out there with my friends again because I wanted to distance myself from, from my friends and everyone because, you know, I, I suppose <laughs> I disliked myself as a human being during that time. I didn't feel like I was enough okay. as a human being. And so... That's the place that I was in. I was in, and she was trying to yeah. support me and get me out mingling with friends. And so we did. She had a surprise party. I got an all merciful shock hmm. ringing the door, and um, and so look, we again we had a, we had a good night, and uh, we left and went home. And my brother James, he he came back and he stayed with us in the apartment. And um, <laughs> I remember waking up the next morning, and he. We had breakfast with one another. He ran up town to get us all breakfast and came back and we were having a good laugh with one another. And um, he walked out of the apartment and I remember him saying goodbye. And I said, I said, oh, I said goodbye, James. And I said, I'll see you soon. And next thing he came back in the door again. And he said, no, Des, I, I will see you soon. And I remember thinking to myself, my God, I said, oh, yeah, f- of course, James. I said, I'll see you soon. And um, And it was... Later on that day, and as I said, no, I was at a low point in my life at this time. Later on that day, I got a phone call from um, one of my friends and Ben and he just said, look, James, he was working out. He was at a gym and he just said, James is after passing out. And I was like, what? I said, no way. And and um, I said, no, he's just after passing out. And again, they said they're after calling an ambulance. And I was like, oh, my God. And so I was with Sarah at the time and we got into the car. And just as we got into the car, um, I saw this ambulance rushing through town and I was like, oh my God, James is probably inside in that right now. And so met my parents and um, my brother Connor and and I'm with Sarah and went off, went to the hospital after it was that James was in that ambulance and we went up to the hospital and... Um, after a while being up there, like they were doctors were trying to bring him around, but after a while they came out and just said that he had um he had died as well of sudden adult death syndrome. And so uh, I don't know, like even now, like I remember I can remember that again so clearly, like being there, like 
oh, just just in disbelief wanted to didn't know what I wanted to do wanted to cry was so angry so frustrated um, in disbelief like within 14 months like having two of my brothers having passed and, and me I was properly physically disabled at the time like said to Sarah that's pretty much it now I'm I'm done I was like I can't do this anymore um, saw myself as, I didn't know what was going to happen from there didn't want to be here if I'm honest again no warning again no signs no J- James was 16 16 yeah like big into sport again healthy young big guy into hardly, really healthy young guy yeah um, and so not no signs just yeah another like within a split second just life change again what was going on for your other family members for your parents and for your brother Connor um probably similar to what was going on for myself like just in an absolute state of shock like mm. how like as I often think of my mum and dad like I think it's it's one thing to you know lose your brother or you know or sister you know it's it's one thing to lose a sibling I think f- for parents like it's it's, it's another it's another layer mm. for parents um but I don't know how, but they just stayed so strong. You know, you often hear sometimes of, you know, couples kind of finding it very hard when they lose, you know, a son or daughter, understandably so. And, you know, you kind of hear of people distancing from one another. Mm-hmm. With with my parents, like, they were close before, but this brought them even closer. So it did so they stayed so strong with one another so they did I mean I suppose I didn't see what was happening for them like behind the scene when they closed the bedroom door at night you know I'm sure mm. I'm sure there was many tears you know a lot of heartbreak um, but when they were around me they tried to stay upbeat I suppose they saw how much I was struggling at the time and they were trying to do their level best to, to support me um, and so and as a family, you were always so close. Yeah, it's it's the thing. Yeah, you weren't you weren't brothers that you know went your separate ways at a certain age. You were you were still very tight. Usually, so like myself and like Connor's still alive. We were always extremely close. Like Connor's the next um, age. next in age to me. Yeah, yeah, and then Mike and Jeb, all of us. Like we would definitely be on the phone to one another four times a week without a shadow of a doubt. And then we'd meet one another training. Um, Etc. And James was there's like there was a fourteen year age gap between myself and James, but yeah. we were together all the time. So we were. Um, so yeah, look. And you must have been quite close. protective of him as well yeah. at that age gap. Being the oldest, like as yeah. well, like that really hit me as well. Like yeah, with what Mike and with James, like yeah. How do you begin to make sense of it, or can you ever make sense of it? Um. Don't ever, don't know if I'll ever make sense of it, but in terms of coming to terms mm. with it or getting to a place of acceptance with it, because I can't change it. Mm. Like, and if I struggle with accepting it, which I did do for a long period, I mean, I was angry, like so frustrated, like sad, felt guilty that I was here and that they weren't. I went through all those range of of emotions, like, and was. 
you know, didn't want to get out of bed for months um, after all of it had happened. But I remember being with Connor afterwards. Connor brought me to um, just to our, our local GP, doctor, doctor surgery in Charleville. Mm. I remember sitting in the waiting room with him um, and just I had one of those like pretty strong light bulb moments whereby I thought to myself, I still have a decision here. Like I can, I can watch. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, and feel sorry for myself and... Um, be angry and bitter about everything that has happened and I know if I continue on down that route I'll struggle for the rest of my life if I stay doing that or I can decide to do everything in my power to turn my life around even though I'm in a dark hole I'm in a mess now I can still do something to turn this around like I remember so many people have done it that came into my head you know so many people have turned their lives around mm. their lives around for the better they can do it why can't I and I'm being with Connor in that day inside in the surgery I was like okay I'm going to do whatever I have to do to turn my life around here um, I did I remember even saying it to the GP <laughs> Tom Malloy um, at the time said the exact same thing to him I was like Tom I'm going to do this I'm going to turn turning my life around because I think even he was worried for me at the time mm. about you know what was going to happen to me and there'll be people listening that will resonate with that because not everybody has had the type of challenges that you've had to contend with but most people have had some form of challenge um, be it through illness or loss and when you speak about kind of that place of being at that crossroads where you know you were in a dark place but you knew 
it was almost like choosing between mm. roads. Something has to give. Yeah. Because you can walk down either road, but um, one is going to perhaps bring you into a deeper, darker mood and, yeah. and, 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 and we don't even want to think where that road ends up. Whereas the other one, as tough as it is, it might lead to something better. Yeah. So you bit the bullet and um, you made a decision um, to try and, and, and help how you were feeling. What yeah. did you do? I, I contacted a guy um, a Cork uh, in Cork um, Tom Carey was his name I'm sure he's not going to mind me mentioning him but he mm. brilliant guy um, and I went to him and spoke about everything that had happened and just to try and get things off my chest like I was way down with so many so many emotions and my thinking mind was just like constantly rushing with thoughts why me why me what if what if what if this didn't happen what if what if and so I was just like overwhelmed with all the thinking and feeling and so I went to Tom and spoke to him and um, it was brilliant like I just slowly began to get things off my chest yeah. began to process what had happened to Mike to begin with you know James and and with living my life with a disability like and the challenges that that, that come along with that and so you know, I felt a huge benefit in in that. I felt, I felt it was great. And he mentioned this workshop to me then. It was a Clear Mind workshop being ran by a Canadian couple. It was a three-day workshop. And he said, you know, you should give this a go and went to it. And <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. Um, brilliant. I I went in the door, looked around. <laughs> I think it was 15 of us participants and there was two people running it. When I sat down initially, I thought to myself, my God, there's no way I'm going to speak up and be vulnerable here in front of these strangers. But um, then I saw two people speaking before me and I could see the shift in them, see the change in the, like in their eyes and their face after they allowed themselves to be vulnerable in front of us. None of us were judging them. None, yeah. All of us were just feeling nothing but compassion for them. Mm-hmm. And so I spoke next and um, again, I had the same experience. I just felt like a waste had lifted off me and um, it's been three days in that workshop literally crying talking mm. screaming they had all sorts of different exercises that we engaged in just to keep on getting down there at an emotional level and speak from that pain not speak about the pain but speak from the pain yeah. to actually get it out there in the open and that was the turning point in my life that was the start of a big shift in things for me like I left after that weekend feeling very different than, than when I went in. That's very powerful, isn't it? Speaking from the pain. Yeah. Not about it, but from yeah. it. Yeah. Because when you're in when you're in that state and you were in a state of extreme pain. Yeah. Extreme. Yeah. Do you feel as you said you were felt lighter, you were feeling this release? Was it like every time you, 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 you spoke or you cried or you screamed or whatever it was that you were letting some of that go? Yeah. Right, brilliant. I was just letting it go and and every time that I did it and truly went for it. Yeah. Whilst the feeling may have been sadness or anger or whatever it may have been may have been, always underneath it. Like there was always peace underneath it. Mm. Like when I spoke from that place of pain, underneath it, it was like, oh, just like this sense of oh, there's a bit of light under there. This 
there's actually peace under there, under all of those emotions. And when you get a glimmer of that, when I got a glimmer of that, I kept on wanting to go back there. Like, okay, there's something different in there. I don't have to be overwhelmed. I don't have to be guilty. I don't have to be riddled with sadness for the rest of my days. I can know that there's always something underneath it, which is light, peace. That was my experience of it anyway. What strikes me about you is um, how courageous you are because even just stepping through those doors takes a lot of guts because you were you were going to be in a room with people you didn't know mm. meeting two people running the course that you didn't know and I suppose you had to make a decision am I going to allow myself to really go for it or not and I, mm. I, I would imagine before you started to speak that first time that that was scary mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've heard that motto in sport, like, but leave your feelings at outside the dressing room door. Okay, yeah. Like, I had that motto in sport, which possibly was okay, but I had it in life too before that. Like, I never allowed myself to be vulnerable in life. Did you not? thought it was a sign of weakness. Um, mm. But quickly became aware after everything that happened, vulnerability isn't a sign of weakness. My God, it's a sign of pure strength and it's ended up what like it ended up changing my life without mm. a shadow of a doubt and so very grateful I went for it when I went into that workshop on that weekend for sure I think for people listening for men who struggle and it's a stereotype but unfortunately it can be true in a yeah. lot of cases that a lot of men struggle with that because from an early age you're told boys don't cry yeah. and you're told to be strong and be brave and it's almost like permission isn't given yeah. to boys to express their emotions um, and that they're, you know, be strong, carry on, keep yeah. going, keep trucking. And while there's a time and a place for that, it can cause damage because when you get to a certain point in life and then you, you really struggle when you hit a really, you know, a, a challenge in your life, if you struggle mm -hmm. to process that emotion... That is unhelpful. It's really unhelpful, isn't it? Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. And 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 it's part of the majority of the reason is the way I you know, that, that I do share my story now every so often. That like something good c can come of it in that regard. Like if only one person hears this and ends up actually speaking about what's going on for them, like it's definitely worth it and you're right like men in particular I think women are much better at being vulnerable like at speaking about what's going on for them at a feeling level but us men we we can really struggle with it and yeah we've it's, it's something that we've learned along the way and then we struggle with unlearning it yeah, and so then to actually go there yeah. and be vulnerable with somebody else like when it has to happen like my god it is challenging yeah. without a shadow of a doubt um but it's for all of us. I mean, we all struggle. It doesn't <laughs> like I wish I was vulnerable way back when I've struggled as well. But they've been small things. But those small things, they can be just as impactful as the big things. Mm. It doesn't take for having to lose a loved one or have to be, you know, have to go, to, have to live your life with a disability to actually struggle. We'll struggle in school. We'll struggle at home sometimes. We'll struggle in life, in work, in college, wherever we go. And to those feelings that do start building up when we do struggle, they need to be expressed. 
they don't they don't need to be buried they need to be expressed as as we go along and so yeah for all of us men and women i think we all need to go there all need to have someone in our life that we can go to with those feelings with those thoughts that are going through our head and speak about them because when we speak to them we become aware of well hang on a second I'm not my thoughts I'm not my feeling that'll come that'll go it'll move to another one but to bury it it doesn't fully go then it stays there to be triggered for some other time down the route and yeah so um, those three days were a breakthrough for you yeah and but you knew that it doesn't end here this yeah. is this is the beginning of 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 processing and working through all the emotions uh, and not just the emotions mentally, physically and emotionally what was going on for you. Mm. Um yeah. So what happened after that course? It, so I when I saw the impact it had on me firstly mentally and emotionally after leaving it it's crazy it just goes to show the link between the body and mind but my physical body followed suit with that healing that had just happened like I felt so energetic afterwards ended up engaging in more rehabilitation and my physical body just started to come to life once again um, and so I started to heal in that way and like it was oh, so powerful so Can I ask you a bit more so about the course itself like what was what were the therapies that were implemented over those few days? It was to begin with, it was like sitting around in a group setting. It was to talking. me talking to me before. It was like something I'd see an American TV show. But yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so group talk, and then there was um, exercises, which I'm not even going to explain to you know because I'm going to explain it to you, and you're going to be like, oh my god, that doesn't make uh, any sense. But when you're in the middle of them, they're extremely, extremely powerful. So it was talking for the first day, then. The, two people running it they spoke about themselves to let us into their life so that we felt comfortable in being vulnerable with them yeah and then um, I, by the way just before you say that just to put you at ease I have done lots of different types of workshops and courses down through the years yeah. that some people I speak to would think that sounds nuts <laughs> so nothing is crazy to me I think it's fascinating um, when you try different therapies what what can click and what yeah. can work and sometimes we can be sceptical about them or sometimes yeah. we might think Ooh, I don't know about that it sounds a bit mad but when you let yourself go and try something you know um, you can feel the positive effects of yeah. things without a doubt and there's always learning from trying something I knew I wasn't going to you know go backwards by giving it a go but yeah a lot of it was talk therapy there was conscious connected breathing um, was, yeah. um, there was part of it and so we used to do that for, for quite a while. It was an hour long each time. Real sense of release in relation to that. And you come up and afterwards you like you'd feel this weight having lifted without having said anything, but just breathing your way through whatever emotions were in there. And that was powerful. And then you come back out of that and it did so well designed. They knew, well, people are going to be open at that point. Like people just went for it in completely when we were in a group with one another. And you could, again... When you're in a group setting like that and you see everyone is sharing what's going on for them, like within after a day, there's a bonding there that's like something yeah. unbelievable. Like people were sharing things inside there that they'd never shared with anybody in their entire lives. Um, which uh, like yeah. within, with strangers after with one strangers, day, yeah. like that's pretty, that's pretty powerful. And so to have that sense of connection with those people within there then, like that's, that's a, that's a big shift. So it is, but that is 
powerful and that is healing in so many ways in doing that. You can do that with a stranger. Imagine, you can, imagine what you can do with a loved one. Yes. If you engage in that setting. Yes, yes. Isn't it fascinating that um, you can meet somebody for a very short time in terms of what time is and it can be so profound. Yeah. And yet you can know someone, you know, your entire life and not have that type of connection. Yeah. Um, and as you said, if you could apply that to the relationships that you have and the closeness that you have, um, you know, how much better our lives can be. I but know. I would imagine then you did bring it to your own life and your relationships and yeah. into your marriage. Did Sarah notice a big difference after those few days? Oh, she did. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, she could, she knew that I'd let go of a lot of what I was holding on to. And, um, and, and I felt capable then to actually open up to her as well because I wasn't, you know, I, I was even afraid to speak to her about it. She wanted me to. I was afraid to go there myself. And yeah. I was afraid to actually, I think initially I was actually afraid, of, my God, if she sees this in me, what would she think of me? Because again, would have seen myself as being this strong man that wasn't vulnerable before. Yeah, yeah. To now letting, you know, people in, letting Sarah in, I was like, oh. it, was an, it, was, it was a challenge at the beginning. But after that weekend, I knew, like, this is the right thing to do. Why not go there? And so, yeah, just totally, completely let her in. And so once again, when I did, she absolutely, she was crying out for it. Like she just met me with nothing but compassion once again. And you've probably connected on a far deeper level as a result. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely, totally. It's always the way, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. when somebody makes themselves vulnerable in front of you, I, I mean, it's, 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 it's brilliant. It's very powerful. Yeah. And uh, it's, I think it just deepens everything. It deepens everything. So I think anyone listening, if you're struggling with vulnerability, you know, just listening to Desi talk, like, and listening to anyone speak about vulnerability, it's, it's that first step into it, I think can yeah. sometimes be the most terrifying. Yeah. But once you do, um, and it becomes a muscle, then you exercise. And then before mm-hmm. you know it, it's your comfort zone. Yeah. It's my comfort zone now. Yeah. I don't ever want to leave being vulnerable because I know how good it feels, you know. Yeah. Um, but the grief was still there. It wasn't that after three days, <laughs> you know, tick that box. But at least it was it was a start. There were obvious physical, mental and emotional uh, benefits yeah. to doing the type of work that you were doing. Um, how quickly did you have your first boy then after that? Um, that was in 2015 we had um, we had MJ. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, four years after the accident. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I firstly didn't know if I was going to be able to have kids after having the accident. Um, was that a concern it was? Well, across it, it, I remember being in the bed and it just kept coming over my mind because I, I like I always loved kids. I always wanted to have kids. Yeah. And um that thinking was going on in my mind. But uh, doctors there in the in the, the rehab hospital they um, they told me no, I should be should be okay in that regard, which again I was very grateful for. Great. Um but then you know, questioning what kind of a dad am I gonna be? If I am a dad having a disability, like I doubted myself in that regard then, like, will it be too much for me? Will it be too much for Sarah? You know, what about a kid? Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I recovered a lot within that space of since 2011 to 
2015 physically and mentally and emotionally in every mm. every way. And so, yeah, Sarah and I decided to, to start a family and it was, um, oh, look, obviously, like, amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. After so much, so much hardship and loss, like, we had managed to turn our lives around as a couple, still grieving all the time. I'm still grieving to this day sure. for all the loss, of course. Of course. But, like, what a positive... Um, what a positive thing bringing another human being into this world and being a dad like I felt so proud when um, mm. when I saw him oh my god um, yeah holding yeah. him for the first time what was that like? <laughs> um, what was it like? I think I was just so happy couldn't believe that uh, he was here yeah um, just a whole range of emotions but like such positive ones. Um, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, just uh, felt so felt so blessed. That's exactly how I felt. Just absolutely blessed in that moment when you arrived. Had you named him before he was born? Did you know you were having a boy? We didn't. Not for um, not for first. So we were throwing our own names, and um, it was actually we were contemplating another days. So my dad is is days. So I, I'm obviously um, days, and was like. I threw it out there to Sarah. I was like, well, what about what about days? And she was like, uh, um, I'll, I'll question that one. But she was like, what about MJ? Um, after Mike and James. Uh, she suggested. She suggested it. Wow. Yeah. She had it in her mind. And uh, I was like, straight away, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely love it. It's so powerful. Um, remembering your brothers that way. Yeah. Do you feel they're with you? Definitely. Without a doubt. I... I don't believe I'd be where I am right now if they weren't supporting me energetically in some way. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I would. I w- would I be in really? I certainly wasn't spiritual after everything that happened, but I am extremely spiritual now. It has really guided me down a route of spirituality and just people call it all sorts of things. God a higher power, the universe, whatever it may be, but I certainly believe there's some energy out there looking after us and I certainly believe that, yeah, Mike and James are, are helping me along the way for sure. So what is it for you then? Could you pinpoint it or not? I would call yeah. it God. I would call it an energy. Um, I would just believe that um, we're certainly here for a reason, I, I do believe. And I... I don't know why things happen the way that they do. You know, I certainly don't know why all of the tragedy was thrown our way. But to, in some way, I believe that it's happened for a reason. And I am trying to believe that for me personally, to make meaning of it and go and help others. Mm-hmm. Like if something good can come of what has happened, go for it. And so... That's kind of the route I found myself go down. And it's it's crazy, like it's <laughs> I think since I've started trusting in God or that energy or whatever it is, I don't know, doors have opened up to me that I wouldn't have seen opening before and I think I've completely changed as a person. Completely. I'm a different man than I was before. Um so I am. Um and so For the better. For the better. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah in every way. Yeah. So you change your career completely. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up um, 
I said I'm going to give counselling a go for a year and solely because it was for an exploration of one's own life in year one. I was like, I'll give it a go just to explore my life and to go even deeper than than where I'm at right now. And so, OK, I'll give it a go and found a year so powerful. Oh, my God, it was brilliant, you know, because... I think we'll never truly know ourselves. We can keep on peeling back the layers. And the more we keep peeling, the more there'll be to learn. Mm. And so that's what I found after that year. And I've, uh, look, I found it so beneficial. And then, you know, on occasion when we did get to support other people within groups, I was like, my God, I actually really, really enjoy this, helping other people. And before I knew, knew it, I ended up graduating as a, as a counsellor with clear mind. And, um, you know, it was a really great experience because I kept on learning about myself and I got to help others. Like, there's, some, there's a huge sense of, like, I feel very grateful for that. It's a nice feeling to be able to support somebody else yeah. through something that they're struggling with. Like, personally, I find that, like, that's a, that's a gift. I, like, I love it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did that. And then I also, I went down and did a master's in life coaching and management coaching in UCC because I found that, it's important to go back and explore our past and for what has happened and to let go of those emotions that are holding us back. But it's also important to be very conscious of who we are in the present moment and who we want to be in the future. And when we want to think about who we are and who we want to be, we need to set goals for ourselves ourselves along the way. And so that's what guided me towards coaching. Um, and I'd worked with a coach like Tom Carey was a coach. And I'd worked with other um, coaches as well. And like there was a real, um, you know, it can be a powerful experience having something in your mind and going for it and knowing how to go about it and how to weave and wander between the different obstacles that come your way. Um, and so, yeah, ended up going down that route of counselling, coaching. And mm. um, yeah, set up my own practice two years ago. Congratulations. And I can only begin to imagine how effective you are as a counsellor. And I suppose it's probably one of the most unexpected gifts of the pain that you went through is that it gives you such deep understanding of of pain, of loss, um, that whoever is sitting in front of you, you can you can hold that space for them mm. because you have you've had such so you've experienced such darkness yourself um, and and they do say it's people who have who have been through really tough experiences that can uh, help others more than more than anyone else you know so turning that into good is uh, it must be very fulfilling yeah it is it's um, like I don't <laughs> I don't finish at the end of the day and dislike my job I'm tired by the end of the day but I like I love it I absolutely love it because when you can see that you're helping somebody all and all I, all I literally do is support people people end up changing for themselves so they do but being a signpost in relation to that change and guiding them in the right direction like that is uh, yeah again as I said I feel very grateful for that and by the end of the week there's this real sense of satisfaction there from from having been able to to support somebody else and so yeah mm. absolutely love it would never have seen myself doing it before but <laughs> what has happened has guided me to where I am right now and you wouldn't change it 
certainly wouldn't change that. No, definitely not. No. So two years after MJ was born, Jack came along. Yeah. So you're busy. Busy. Busy for sure. Yeah. Five and a three-year-old now. Five and three-year-old. Yeah. So, so it's all go. All go. All go. It's um, <laughs> starts it. Well, my day starts at five thirty in the morning because I try and get up and do a workout before before all the the madness starts. Um, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Just because I think it's important for myself physically. You know, obviously as a as a it's important for me to keep on staying as mobile as I possibly can. And for me, I want to keep on pushing the boundaries in terms of you know bringing myself on. Like I've come so far now after. Nine years, I don't plan on stopping now. I plan on keep going in that regard. And so that's how I start my day. But then kids wake up by half six and the madness of it all starts. Yeah. Uh, but look, it's great. My God, it's great. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Wouldn't change it um, for the world. I would imagine, in terms of where you've come from, you're progressing all the time. All the time, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, I, what, I, what is mobility wor- like now? Mobility, it's um, my hand function is probably what I struggle with um, with most. Um, and so that's obviously um, an issue like tying my shoelaces, tying short buttons, something I cannot do, writing and stuff like that. But like you yes. can adapt to that. Compute, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sort of, you can adapt to that so you can. But I've come so far, so I have yeah. so far and it's going to keep on improving um, without a shadow of a doubt. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's, as I said, to keep on this journey of um, keep on learning about myself physically, mentally and emotionally and keep on improving all the time. Look back to June of 2011 versus now at the end of 2020. How different, you've said you've changed so much. How different a person are you? How would you describe the Desi from, um, from then to now? I think Desi before... Me before I was, I would have been a bit of a closed book. I don't think people would have seen that in me, but you know, I would, as I said, I would never have spoke honestly about how I felt or what was going on for me. I would have been very focused on um, work, focused on sport, focused on all those external things that we can focus on in life, right? We can be extremely busy with all of those things. Me now, whilst I'm very conscious, like that work is important. Having hobbies are important. Having outlets are important. Now I, I have no problem in just being who I am and opening up honestly about who I am. I've no problem being here with you today. I feel grateful for being here with you today and just speaking from my heart about what has happened and who I am now. Like I wouldn't have been able to do that before. I was actually I was a person that I used. Oh, I used to actually despise public speaking I used to get so anxious and so worried it's good so red red faced actually in school that was that was my nickname red um, because I used to get embarrassed when having to you know been really, called out in the yeah. middle of the class and put on the spotlight was on me um, but and look at you now look at me now <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah I mean now I go around to schools and speak um, share my story but with the purpose of inspiring people and, and mention about different tools and so I do that and organisations, schools, the sports teams. And so I'm a very, very different man. <laughs> I remember on one occasion I, um, I was watching an episode of Home and Away with Sarah hmm. and uh, she we were sitting on the couch. Something sad happened in the show and a tear started coming down, rolling down my eye. Yeah. She was like, 
Okay, I think you've you've, you've, <laughs> you've gone too far with this vulnerability piece. <laughs> I was like, maybe I have, but um, I love. But it. yeah, so look, I've certainly changed. I'm a different man, and so I, I think the ripple effect will start from there because it will, it'll be the same. My kids will will see that in me, and hopefully they'll. Yeah, I'm just about to say, yeah, yeah, and everyone else. Like we, I think we're unaware of the power we we have as as human beings. Mm. Like when we do something positive like that for ourselves, and we live that way. There's a different energy about us and so people around us will get a sense of it and possibly go about doing the same themselves, even if it's an unconscious awareness that's happening. But I certainly believe we've, uh, we all have a powerful ripple effect in this world, for sure. Mm. Are, you, are, are you ever afraid? Because things happened so shocking with no warning, are mm. you ever afraid that something else may happen? If that's not an insensitive question to ask, but is fear a player in your life? Um, it it did cross my mind before, way back. That was before even having the boys. But now, no, like I don't. I've I've often been asked the question, like, would you let your boys play sport and were hurling? You know, given what had happened to me and. Um, I was like straight away yes of course I would guide them in that way no matter what it is I don't care what it is yeah um, great but once they go and do something but like it has ended up being hurling um, for, for MJ and it looks like Jack too um, you know from such a young age you can see they're just extremely interested in it yes and, and that's from not not from me pushing them in that direction but the like environment and so the inver- exactly yeah, yeah. and so um so in terms of fear of something happening, I try and focus on what I want in my life rather than, than what I don't want. And and f- no, I mean, honestly, because I think I've done so much work on myself and I've worked hard at rebuilding my mind to be into a strong, to get into a strong place that I'm not fearful of the future. I'm actually hopeful in terms nice. of when I think of the future. And I'm like, you know, who knows what's ahead? But uh, it's going to be an exciting journey for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I don't look at it with fear. I'm like, it's going to be a great one. Yeah. And it already is. It already it is. is. You're, it already is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so small improvements all the time. All the time. Physically. Physically. Um, business is going really well. Work is going really well. Family life. Um, yeah. How are your parents now? And how's your, how's your, your other brother, Connor, yeah. doing? doing extreme like doing all things considered like doing doing well yeah um, like we speak about the boys um, when we're together like we're, we don't block it out um, we share happy memories that we've had with one another of course it brings up emotions like along the way at Christmas time now like there's, there's no point saying it's not going to be like it can be difficult days can be difficult some days will be really happy you know because it'll be, kids will be around but other times there'll be a wave of sadness there'll be a wave of emotions whereby it'll all start creeping up and the memories of them not being here with us right now and I don't see that as being a bad thing before I would have before I've, I would have fought sadness like oh I shouldn't feel this way I shouldn't be this way when it's a perfectly normal emotion it's okay to feel sad mm. I have to go off and cry for a while. I will do it. And my parents, no, I believe, are the same. And Connor too. Like, 
we'll speak to one another about when we're struggling. If there's something tough going on for us, like we'll open up about it. And yeah. so, which is great. And I think because of that, we're all doing so well. My mum and dad are like, they're absolutely amazing. They're so, so powerful. So they are getting on with life as best they can. Their lives have changed so much. Um, they're getting, getting on with it. And Connor's the same. Like he's powering through, still playing sports, busy with work. Um, and I think we have a close relationship. We're all living uh, about two miles from one another, all of us, um, which is great. Like, so we can, we can stay connected all the time. Which right. is, and I'm yeah. sure they love seeing the boys often as well. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like my mum has them, uh, we call down, uh, we could call, call, call down a couple of times during the week, but she minds them every Thursday as soon as they finish, when Jack finishes play school and yeah. MJ finishes school. And she loves that. Like, they love it as well. But um, obviously doesn't make up in any way, shape or form for what has happened to her. But it's a real positive thing in her life. Sure. You know, She's mad about them and they're mad about her. Yeah. What would your words of of any of any kind of advice or or any sort of you know, I suppose how you'd like maybe somebody to have spoken to you when you were in a dark place, um, who maybe is listening to this and is struggling right now? Yeah. What would you say to them? <sighs> to begin with, I would say don't be afraid of that dark place. I a lot of the time we can be we can fear going anywhere near it like those feelings of darkness and feeling so low we can try and go away from it rather than actually going into it which is a perfectly normal response having to go into it can be quite painful but if you feel low or if you feel down or if you feel like you're in a dark place actually allow yourself go in there and kind of speak from there if you can at all to somebody in your life and to open it up because as I said a while back like underneath that, that darkness there's any light waiting to shine through and so if you're struggling with anything don't be afraid to open up about it let somebody in there and uh, and and then obviously like do things to like look after oneself like as best we can I think we all need to get as much sleep as we can to exercise as much as we can just get a good routine not drinking as much um, everything along yeah. those we'll all have different ways of minding ourselves we'll all have different things that will serve us but in terms of our mental and emotional health like open up for sure and do things to look after our minds like for me I never meditated before all this happened but now I do it religiously like twice a day because I do I do find it certainly quietens the mind and um getting out in nature, going for a walk, um, anything along those those lines, like we'll get a sense of peace in some shape or form. And so if you're struggling, always know that there's hope. Always. No matter what we're going through, like we will work our way through it once we decide to and put a, just a conscious, conscious effort into doing it. And there'll be light in the end of that darkness. I certainly believe so. Anyway, that's been my experience um, of it all and I know from working with people that's been their experience too yeah yeah Desi I am so thankful to you this has been um, a really profound conversation and I'm so happy for you that you're in such a great place 
in your own life, with your family, mm. um, with your wife and your kids and your folks and your brother Connor, but also the, the ripple effect, as you've been talking about, that you're having with people um, who attend your sessions or hear you speak mm. and who will hear this conversation and you will help through through you being vulnerable and sharing your experiences. Um, continued success and health and progression. Uh, I'm excited to see what else you do. I'm really honoured that you said yes to having this conversation, particularly during a very busy time. You know, the end of December coming up to Christmas is a bit manic for us all, but you were so accommodating and it means a lot to me. Um, I've just... I can't thank I can't thank you enough for this. It's uh, it's just been wonderful. Thank you so much. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. I mean, thank you for having me. If this episode struck a chord with you, please do share it with friends or family or anyone who you think will benefit from hearing it. This episode of Ready to Be Real Conversations was brought to you in partnership with HCC.ie and supported by Irish Life Health. HCC.ie's experts can help you find a health insurance plan that suits your needs and your budget. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.